Welcome to Out on a Limb, where traditional finance and the new digital economy converge with a sense of history. My name is Tim Enneking, and this is episode 24. It is February 21st, 2023, and just a wee bit after 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in lovely San Diego, California. Today, is we're only going to discuss two topics, but they're both uh, a wee bit complex, so uh, the, let's dig into them right away. The first is related to the predictions I made in uh, Out on a Limb 22, so a couple episodes ago, and that is when the Fed did not increase uh, interest rates 50 basis points in February, so only 25, so that prediction was wrong. I maintained the 25 basis point prediction in March and added another 25 in May. It's interesting what's happened since then. I feel like I was uh, ahead of the, of the curve on this one because uh, James Bullard, who's a member of the FOMC, a voting member of the FOMC, advocated for 50 basis points in February, and like him, I lost. And uh, Loretta Meister, who is a mester, sorry, who is the FOMC uh, president from Cleveland, now says that we should have a 50 basis point hike, uh, not necessarily in one. So that would advocate for uh, what I'm calling for, which is 25 in May and another 25 or 25 in March and another 25 in May. So it's interesting. Uh, the FOMC itself turns out in the notes and the street and several public announcements is coming around to say, okay, we've, uh, we've got to go higher. And the reason is mainly the economy is very robust. Unemployment, which is wonderful from most perspectives, it's just from this one it's not, is very, very low at world record low at 3.4%. And the current rate increases have not slowed the economy down a month, uh, enough, with a very important caveat that there's about a six-month lag. So even the last 75 basis point increase hasn't fully been assimilated in the economy, pardon me, using that standard, but the it's still clear that the economy is, is doing quite well. And the drop in inflation in January was very, very slight from inflation in December. So there are just too many indicators that inflation hasn't been beaten yet. Uh, housing market is another one. Uh, there are some instances, say, used car prices, which are, are coming down a lot, which would say, okay, that's helping with inflation. But they're not coming down because of the Fed increases. They're coming down be mainly because of supply chain issues. And even then, the latest information in the last couple of weeks is that used car prices are moving back up. So there is a lot of data that says the economy is still doing well and not enough uh, particularly in the, in the housing, both rental and purchase front, that says things are slowing down. So I'm afraid we're in for some more belt tightening. I'm not even sure May is going to be the end of it, but it's certainly uh, March is not going to be the end of it. So that's our first uh, topic for the day. The second is the SEC's regulation of crypto by enforcement, or the phrase you'll see a lot running around is simply regulation by enforcement. So this is an interesting concept 
because in the United States and in most countries, certainly in all OECD countries, you have what we all learned in civics class in high school or wherever as the separation of powers. So the executive, the legislative branch creates laws, the executive branch enforces them, and the judicial branch, branch interprets them. And at a basic level, that's still absolutely right. It's set out in the U.S. Constitution, in the, in the U.K.'s implied constitution, since it doesn't have a formal one, uh, in the French Constitution very clearly lays this out. And normally, at a base level, this is how things operate. But of course, we all know that the executive promulgates regulations, right? It issues regu regulations. In theory, those interpret the laws and they provide clarification like the IRS does on new laws when it issues another rule. So you can, at that point in time, we already see that there's a bit of overlap because where, where does the clarification of a regulation end and a new regulation begin? And that's where the judicial branch historically has stepped in. And when the executive branch, executive branch oversteps its boundaries and starts really passing laws instead of interpreting laws that have been passed by the legislative branch, then you generally have, the, or in theory, you should always have the judicial branch step in and say, whoa, hey, executive branch, that's not your job. It's the job of the legislative branch. You have to limit the, your, quote, interpretations, unquote. Well, then it's not just the White House that's part of the executive branch, although the, the president is obviously the head of it. You have all sorts of law enforcement uh, activities, organizations that take place within the White House at the federal level, ranging from the FBI to the Marshal Service to the CFTC, which, which regulates commodities, to the SEC, which regulates securities, as its name, Securities and Exchange Commission, implies. So the SEC also is in a position to interpret regulations. And as, as technology changes, as market changes, uh, markets change, as market practices change, the SEC has to update its application of regulations, modernize, reinterpret regulations. And it will frequently go to the executive branch and say, because it's part of the executive branch, so it'll go to the White House and say, look, we need a new regulation that governs this, or we need to amend the regulation. And then the executive branch goes to the legislative branch, or in this case, the White House goes to Congress and says, hey, we need to change this law. And there are a lot of changes that take place on that basis every year that are, call them cleanup or something like that, or a new regulation needs to be updated. And most of that doesn't even hit the headlines, and it's, it's no big deal. But what the, what the SEC is doing has been doing recently, especially just in the last couple of months, with respect to crypto, really is starting to push the limit of regulation by enforcement. Because what the SEC is doing is applying traditional securities laws that we discussed earlier that were that uh, the body of which, the core of which dates back to 1933 and applying it to crypto. Now, I think we can all agree that nobody in 1933 envisioned the concept of Bitcoin. Still, the SEC is applying those regulations in new ways, in ways that it never had to before because crypto didn't exist, to uh, crypto projects. But more of more concern, if it was just doing that for the first time, that would be unsurprising. But a more concern is that 
Bitcoin has been around for almost 13 years. Crypto has been around for, you know, call it eight, nine, ten years. Some of the projects have been around almost as long. <coughs> Pardon me. And there are a lot of new projects. And what's happening is that the SEC is now applying regulations that are unchanged and have been unchanged for, say, the last five years, at least unchanged with respect to the aspects it's looking at now, to crypto projects that are essentially unchanged or little changed in the last five years. And suddenly, it's going after those projects in ways that it never has before. And unlike when in 2017, the SEC came out with its DAO opinion, its Digital Autonomous Organization opinion, and said, okay, this DAO project, which by then had already collapsed because it had been hacked to death, that was a security, and so you guys look out. Well, people didn't pay a lot of attention to that, and the SEC ended up uh, uh, taking a lot of enforcement actions against ICOs, and to, to some extent, to a very limited degree, is still doing that. Much more importantly, in this case, it simply started to change the enforcement or the interpretation of regulations and apply those regulations, accuse projects, crypto projects, of violating those regulations when what they have been doing under that regulation and in the United States has not changed for years. And this is an entirely new approach by the SEC. So let me give you some examples, and there are, there are just so many. I'll, I'll apologize in advance for almost almost giving you uh, too many. But you have the Ripple lawsuit, the action against Ripple, which was uh, initiated about two years ago. And Ripple has enough money that it's fighting it, and it's doing very, very well preliminarily. And one of the problems with many of these organizations, it's a question of deep pockets. And if your pockets aren't super deep, then uh, the SEC is more likely to come, come after you. Look, for example, the example of SEC versus Musk, where Musk has thoroughly intimidated the SEC, and it pays a 20, he pays a 20, 30 million dollar fine, or Tesla does, doesn't even notice it, and the SEC almost applies rules in a completely different way to Elon Musk as a result. Uh, so you have Ripple, which is pushing back, Kraken, which recently settled because of staking. We spoke of that uh, last week. Then you have FTX, which was just a target waiting to be hit, although it wasn't a U.S. company. It had a number of U.S. subsidiaries and a lot of U.S. clients. You have Paxos, which is a classic example of what I'm talking about. Paxos indirectly or issued what was branded as BUSD, the Binance stablecoin, and the SEC came after it for and prohibited it from issuing any more tokens. This is almost a frightening one because stablecoins are used by most people in the ecosystem to sort of step back out of the risk of crypto, wait for a bit, and then go in and buy something. It's, it's a neutral uh, token to have because it's backed by the U.S. dollar. And we've talked about the irony of that in many cases. Well, now the SEC says, okay, there are some people that are speculating <coughs> on the very small moves in Paxos, say you get 10, 20, or 100 X on them, and they're actually making money, so they're treating it as a security, which is a really controversial position, but Paxos is not in a position to fight back. Recently, the SEC filed actions against Doquan and Terraform because of UST, which 
it, although involved in the U.S., is not in any way based here. And uh, this is well after the fact, six, seven, eight months after the issues with Celsius and, USD, and UST and, and Terra back in May. And you have to wonder uh, why the SEC is doing this now or if it's just piling on and trying to make an impression. It's also gone after individuals, Kim Kardashian, Tom Brady, and others because they received tokens for advertising for tokens and did not disclose that fact. So they actually received securities. Uh, one wonders if the SEC would have found something else to, to uh, hang on to had Brady, Kardashian, and others, others who were endorsing ICOs in particular, said that they were receiving the ICO, uh, receiving tokens, receiving securities for their endorsement. Then you have the very recent ruling of quali qualified custodians uh, have to, or, or entities have to be qualified custodians to hold crypto assets. And this is really draconian because it's difficult in the United States to be a Q QC. Uh, companies like uh, Coinbase and a couple of others have said, okay, we can qualify, we can meet the standards of a qualified custodian, but I somehow don't think it's going to be particularly easy for them to receive that uh, particular uh, qualification or call it a license, if you will, simply because of the attitude toward, toward crypto. And what this does then, very strangely, drives crypto business into the hands of large fiat institutions. So altogether, there's this whole range whole breadth of activities that the SEC is suddenly undertaking. And one of the reasons it's done that is, is simply because now it can. The SEC recently added over the last 12 months 20 people to its crypto enforcement body. And you have to look at how the SEC compensates people and how it rewards people. It is a, an enforcement organization, so it's supposed to enforce. If you suddenly have 20 more people in the SEC, they're all looking for targets. So they want to do well in their job. And they're well in their job. To doing well in their job, they have to find something that's wrong and fix it. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what law enforcement is. But in this case, you have to wonder with 20 more bodies looking around for difficulties, for enforcement opportunities, if they don't find anything immediately, well, maybe they can create one by changing how regulations are applied. When you have somebody like um, Gary Gensler running the SEC, who for, for reasons known only to him appears to be fairly anti-crypto, he has a receptive audience. And the beauty of it is the SEC doesn't have to go to the White House. It doesn't have to go to Congress to say, hey, we need a new law or we need to change the law. They simply change the interpretation of current regulations. And on top of it, they are doing it now, as opposed to, say, the Dow decision, without any advance notice to the market. Uh, I would be singing a very different song if the SEC had said, okay, look, Kraken, you guys, here are the rules for staking. This is what you have to do to be legal staking, or to stake legally, or to host staking legally, or sponsor, whatever word you want to use. But they have not done that. And in fact, there are, even to this day, even after this, the settlement with Kraken, there are no rules, how do you do staking? And let's ignore whether it's retail or wholesale or credit investors or whatever. There are no guidelines, there are no rules. And it's of course in, to the enforcer's advantage that there be ambiguity because they can go after people unless they have, those people have deep enough pockets to, to push back. 
even if the SEC is being very aggressive or is on shaky ground, they win because it's going to cost millions of dollars to push back against the SEC, particularly when the crypto enforcement unit has more and more people. So my prediction in all of this is that there will be a backlash because the SEC really has gone too far. Not necessarily a backlash from people who love crypto. There aren't that many of them, particularly in Congress, although there are a few, but a backlash simply because it's unfair. It's unfair to change the application of a regulation without significant, um, significant advance notice. And also, it's unfair to enforce a regulation in a new area when such as crypto, when there are no guidelines, there are no announced rules. Even the most conscientious crypto institution, if you will, doesn't know what to do in many ways now because there is absolutely no clarity. Now, I don't mean to say there are no people who are trying to push the boundaries or go over the boundaries or there are no people trying to violate the law or there are no scams in crypto. Absolutely not. Uh, I think the I think regulation in the main is actually good for crypto because there were so many problems. But this regulation is unfair and unjust. And as a result, we're already seeing the beginnings of a backlash. But my going out on a limb today is that it's going to be much more significant. First of all, know that there are five administrators of the SEC and, and Gary Gensler is the chairman. Two of them. Uh, are, are really already opposed to what the SEC is doing. Hester Pierce has called this a total war on corruption, or at least uh, as I understand it, she has. Uh, Mark Uyeda, another member, has said that uh, the SEC or Gensler is really trying to block all access to crypto, which is really reminiscent of, of what China did a number of years ago. China was, was even more draconian about it. The SEC is simply uh, going about it in a different way. So with two of the five administrators of the SEC already opposed to the, uh, to the actions that, that the SEC has taken, or at least some of the actions, I can't say all of them, there is already a split appearing there. And although I've not heard of anything uh, brewing in Congress, uh, I've said until now that a split Congress was unlikely to pass major SEC legislation, that is, might pass laws uh, or law regulating uh, crypto to some degree, but just because there are such diverse opinions in Congress, I didn't see anything profound being passed, except other than perhaps taking jurisdiction away uh, from the SEC, jurisdiction over, over crypto, to, and giving it to the CF, CFTC, so giving it to the commodities guys. Um, the, and that, to me has become much more likely. I think Congress is, mo is now more likely to act. And since crypto is not clearly uh, a, a security, particularly after the ICO phase, when I think in all likelihood most of, them, most of them were because of the four prongs of the Howey test, now that the projects are more advanced, the nature of tokens has really evolved. And there are far more utility tokens out there, which doesn't really exist as a legal concept, but I'll use it as the crypto space does, than there were before. And at that point in time, one really has to wonder whether securities laws can and should apply. It seems to me then that uh, commodities rules are, while still not ideal, are much closer to the mark. And traditionally, the CFTC 
has taken a less draconian approach to enforcement. So there are my first two, or my only two points for today. Uh, Very, very interesting what's happening with the SEC. It has spooked the markets to some degree in the U.S., but it has not driven down crypto. Actually, um, Bitcoin has increased fairly significantly since what I, I went out on a limb to call at the time the post-FTX or the FTX-enforced uh, capitulation, and BTS, uh, BTC is up almost 60% uh, since, that, since that call. But the United States risks losing a lot of the crypto industry, a lot of innovation, and more projects and people than ever are moving outside the United States. It's already started or accelerated um, just in the last couple of months. And it's a real issue. Even for my fund, we're looking at creating a structure outside the U.S. and even conceivably moving outside the U.S. because of the uh, draconian or or very close to draconian, let's say, to give the SEC some credit, uh, enforcement of regulations that haven't changed. With that, thank you all very much. We'll speak next week.